Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Okay, well, let's welcome Andrew Hudson as he kicks off a new series, The God Who Leads. Thanks, Vicki. Hey, it's awesome to be with you guys tonight. Uh, great to be with you. Again, welcome to those of you online as well. Hey, like Vicki Vicky hinted at it, but before I get into my talk, uh, we want to introduce something to you, uh, a new app that we have. It's called Church Center. We have our own very own app. Look at us being all hip. Uh, but it's... Uh, it, what Church Center does is it basically connects our website to all of our database so that you can easily stay up to date with what's happening here at the church from your phone or wherever you're at on your mobile device. So you can actually download it. It's free. You can go to Google Play if you have an Android phone or the App Store. Uh, if you have an iPhone, just download the app. It's called Church Center, and it looks like that symbol right there on the screen. And um, once you get once you get on there, it, you can type in Vineyard Church Delaware County and make that kind of like your home church, and it'll ask you for your phone number, email, one time at the beginning. But once you put that in there, if you've registered for basically anything in the last year and a half or something like that, then we already have some info about you probably in there. So um, you'll just have to do that the first time, and from then on out, it should just automatically open up to Vineyard Church Delaware County. And every time you go there. Uh, you can, you can see lots of different things. You can register for events. So if you want to register for that equip class uh, that's coming up or for Vision Advise, you can do it right there, right now on your phone. Uh, if you want to check out small groups and see what possible small groups might work for you or connect with your current small group, it'll be already in there for you. You can, if you've got kids, you can check them in early. There's a check-in feature so that when you get to the line and it's crazy, you're already ready to go. You can give. You can, like Vicky said, you can give financially on there. It's pretty simple, and you can watch old sermons. You can get to the newsletter and uh, sign up to volunteer. There's really lots of different features on there. So, all the other ways you used to sign up for things still work. You can still do all those, but this is just an added thing that we're excited to share with you guys. So, it's called Church Center. Check it out. And if you have any questions or any trouble, you can stop by the info counter. Uh, and we can help you out there to get it downloaded. Uh, and there's a handout out there too, if you, that would be helpful to take to know how to do it. So, okay, jumping into my talk. How many, how many of you guys remember this thing? Can you see that from there? A magic eight ball, right? How many of you remember having this toy as a kid, maybe it's 70s and 80s or something like that? Uh, it's like, it's got that random dice with words on it floating around in this mysterious blue liquid. I don't know what that liquid is. I'm always like, if it breaks, is it going to be like poisonous gas or what's it going to be like? But so much fun to like play with one of these things, right? I remember as a kid playing with one of these things. But wouldn't it be a little interesting if this is how you made decisions, right? If you use one of these to make decisions in your life, like, could you imagine what, how that might turn out? Like, for example, Let's say, should I let my boys get a mohawk summer haircut? Let's... Yes, definitely. All right, my wife is going to flip. That's awesome. Okay, how about this? Should I spend all my money and buy Blockbuster stock? 
It is certain. Oh, that's great. That's great. I knew Blockbuster was coming back. This streaming stuff is never going to last. No, okay. Okay, last one. Okay. If I asked Michael to give me a raise, would he say yes? No way. Okay, best of two out of three. Best of two out of three. Let's do that again. No, just kidding. Right? I mean, this is a fun toy. It's a fun toy. Uh, but it makes me think, like, where, but could you imagine if this is where you went to for advice and making real life decisions? That would be pretty scary, I think. But where do you go? Where do you go when you need to make a decision? Where do you go when you need some direction in life or you need some guidance? Where do you turn to? Psychologists say that we make over 35,000 decisions a day. It's 2,000 decisions every hour we're awake, more than that. That's a lot of decisions. Now, most of those are minor, right? Like, does this shirt go with these pants? Yes, you know, that kind of a thing. Or what do I have for breakfast? But sometimes our decisions are really big, right? We have really big decisions, like uh, should I go to college? And if I should, where should I go? And what should I major in? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Right, they're big decisions that we have to make in life at times. And so where do we go to help get wisdom and guidance uh, in making those decisions? You know, do you talk to your friends? Do you talk to wise people you know? Do you hire somebody like a financial advisor? Do you go to your parents? Do you do some research? Do you look different things up to try to get more information? And where do you go uh, when you need guidance? The good thing is, is that if you're a Christian, then you have access to the greatest guide ever in God. That God is many things, right? God is the God who, our God is the God who loves us. He's the God who cares for us. He's the God who comforts us and watches over us, but he's also the God who leads us and desires to lead us. He wants to guide us through life. He isn't far off, uh, you know, in the clouds or out somewhere in the universe, distant and indifferent to us. He's actually really, really close. He's with us wherever we go. And he longs to, to, to lead us and to show us the way. In fact, Jesus, God in the flesh, said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you want to know the way? Do you want to know the way? Jesus knows the way. Jesus is the way. God wants to lead us. But how does he do that? How, what does that look like? So this weekend, we're starting a new series uh, it's very practical, called The God Who Leads, and we're going to look at five different ways that God leads us over the next few weeks. Um, there's a pastor in England named Nicky Gumbel. He started a, uh, something called Alpha, which you might be familiar with. It's an amazing program that we offer here at the church that lets non-Christians explore the Christian faith, and millions of people have gone through Alpha and come to know Jesus in that process. But in Alpha, Nikki talks about five ways that God leads us or guides us. And they all start with C and S. And they are the, these five things. Number one, commanding scripture, meaning the Bible, the, the, the word of God. The second one is the compelling spirit. He talks to us uh, through the Holy Spirit. He leads us through the Holy Spirit. Kind of like how last weekend, if you were here, we made space for the Holy Spirit to to, uh, to speak to us and to lead us, right? Number three is my favorite, because I think it's the most overlooked, uh, common sense, that God speaks through our, through our common sense and leads us that way. Uh, number four is counsel of the saints, 
Not talking about like people who died hundreds of years ago, but saints meaning our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that God can use them uh, to give us wise counsel. And the fifth one is circumstantial signs, which we often talk about as kind of being like open doors or closed doors. And so over the next number of weeks, uh, we're going to be taking a look at each of these areas in more detail and, and learning about how we can grow to understand how God might want to speak through these kinds of ways uh, to lead us. And a number of years ago now, I came across these five things, and I started using these five areas or filters, you could say, when it came to making decisions. And, and sometimes when it's a little decision, you know, God only will speak to me through one of them or two of them, but I find that he's so faithful and gracious because I'm so stubborn that, you know, if it's a big decision, oftentimes it'll be three, four, or all five of the ways I'll see him moving and acting. And so, so I'm really excited to kick this off today, and we're going to talk about the very first one, commanding scripture first, because I believe it's the clearest, uh, most objective, and foundational one of them all. All the other four must support and align with God's commanding scripture. So last week, my family and I, we went on a little vacation. We went up just for a couple days up to get away up at, near Lake Michigan in Sleep, Sleeping Bear Dunes, if you've ever heard of that. I know a lot of people, I've, I'd never been there or heard of it before, but I've seen a lot of people post it on Facebook lately. It seems like a popular place to be going. But some, a friend recommended that when we get up there that we should do this activity uh, where you basically rent inner tube rafts and you ride down the, the Platte River, which empties into Lake Michigan. And so it was a cool idea. Like you, you, you drive your car and you park at the beach, and then the raft company drives you back upstream and gives you rafts and kicks you out, and then you ride down, down the rafts, down the stream, and then you end up at the beach, and your car's there, and you just spend the rest of the day at the beach. It was, it was a cool idea. So, so we did it. So we jumped. We get my, myself, my wife, our three kids. There's five of us. We get these rafts, and we, we tie them all together in this giant ring so, like, you know, my eight-year-old doesn't get lost and strayed or whatever. So, so we're going down uh, the river, and immediately, because I'm, I'm such a nerd, and I'm always thinking about the next talk I'm going to do or give, and so I immediately was like, this is a great analogy for the five ways God leads us. Like, we're all connected here, and he's guiding us down the river of life. And I know that's so cheesy, but that's just where my mind goes. And so we get in the rafts, and it's pretty quickly that we realize we're not really going anywhere, like, at all. Like, the current was so, so slow. And in fact, there were parts the wind would pick up and blow us back upstream. Like, we were, like, I'm like, that tree used to be there, and now we're, we're going backwards. This is ridiculous. And so we thought, we're never going to get there. And there's people in kayaks, like, how's it going? You having a great day? And I'm like, yes. No, not at all. Right? Um, we're miserable. But so it became really apparent this was not going to work. So I, I realized, I'm going to have to get out. And so I get out in the water, and I'm holding on to my raft, and I literally had to swim the whole rest of the river. There was a couple spots I could walk, like it was shallow enough, but most of the time, I swam and dragged the other four ones for the next hour and a half. I was exhausted. I was so, my shoulders were so tired, my legs were so tired, and I, I pulled my wife and my three kids down the river. Now, why do I tell you that story? Well, really, if I had to pick one of the five, if I had to pick one of the five, that pulled the other four, that the other four had to stay tethered to, it would be commanding scripture. Because, because the other four rafts have to be tethered to that. They have to be tethered to that. I mean, how do you know 
if the voice that you think is the Holy Spirit is actually the Holy Spirit? How do you know? Well, it needs to align with the Bible, right? We check it against the Bible. How do we know if the advice that your friends have given you is what God wants you to do? Well, how do we know? We, we check it with the scriptures. We check it with the Bible. How do you know just because that door opened meant you're supposed to go through it? Right? If you maybe get a, a job offer or something like that, should I take it? Just because it's offered to me doesn't mean I should take it. Right? Well, we check it with the scriptures. Right? Is there, is for some reason, is that job going to call, you know, make me do something unethical? Well, then that maybe God doesn't want me to take that job. Right? So we, we weigh it against that because that's where we know. The scriptures are where we know for certain God has spoken. The Bible is our foundation of knowing how God leads us and helps us understand his general will for all of our lives. Now, prior to and throughout the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln uh, had to make some really difficult decisions, some decisions that uh, half the country didn't agree with, right? But, but what's interesting is he leaned on the Bible for guidance. He wrote this in a letter. He said, in regard to this great book, talking about the Bible, I have but to say, it is the best gift God has given to man. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. Before it, we could not know right from wrong. I love that. I love that, that, that it's the best gift God's given us. It's the foundation of the way God leads us and guides us. When we have really hard decisions to make, we can go to the Bible and know that, that we can look there for God's guidance. Now, unfortunately, we live in a time in society where the number of people in America who see the Bible as a way of God speaking to us is shrinking. You know, more and more, the scriptures are seen more as symbolic rather than to be taken literal, or they're just one of many options. But the Bible itself declares its vital importance. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, this is from the message version. It says this, Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has given us. What the author Paul, writing to his, his friend Timothy, is trying to communicate here is that ultimately, uh, the Bible is the way is one of the ways that God guides and leads us. That through reading it, listening to it, filling our mind and thoughts with it, God uses it to guide us to know his general will for all people in all places and all circumstances. Now, not every decision we face or have to make or topic is talked about in the Bible specifically, but many are, many are. And if the scriptures say that X is harmful, or X is dangerous, or X is sinful, then we can be confident that it's not the way God is leading us, right? Should I fib a little on my taxes so I can get a bigger refund? Well, you know, no. Jesus said, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In our language, give to the government what is the government's. Pay your taxes, right? I don't have to think, spend that much time thinking about that. Is, that. is that okay, or how could that be okay? Like, I can just know God has spoken, and so I don't have to spend time thinking about that if I know and are familiar with that verse. There's a story of a man. He wrote a letter to the IRS, and he said this, Dear sir, 
I've just become a Christian and I found I can't sleep at night, so here's $100 that I owe you. P.S., if I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest. All right? Uh, as, <laughs> that's funny, right? Uh, as, as Christians, part of what God is wanting us to continually learn, and what this guy needs to continually learn, is that uh, we can go to the Bible to learn God's way of life, of how he wants us to, 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 to lead us in the way of doing life. And it's not legalistic, and it's not meant to make us feel guilty. That's not the reason we're talking about this. And I don't want us to, to feel guilty. Last thing I want you to leave, you know, if reading the Bible regularly is something you struggle with, I don't want you to leave here feeling guilty. Uh, more, I want you to see it as an invitation. It's an invitation to, that if that's something that's been hard, to, to, to really press in, to spend more time with God in that way so that he can lead you and guide you more and better. A few weeks ago, I had a conversation with somebody where I felt really hurt by the conversation. And when I woke up the next morning, it was the first thing on my mind, and I immediately started you know, building my case in my head. This is why I'm right, and these are all the things that they were wrong, and, and all of that, and I can't wait to talk to this person and let them have it, right? That's where I was kind of like going, going. I sat down to have my breakfast, and I pulled up the Bible app on my phone, which is kind of my habit, and I started reading uh, in the Psalms. And I came to Psalm 27, 14, and it says this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And in that moment, I knew God was leading me and guiding me through that verse. And I knew he was telling me to wait, to not bring it up with this person right away, to, to give a little bit of cushion, give a little space. I didn't know how long I was supposed to wait. I just knew I was supposed to wait. Well, God was gracious, and I didn't have to wait that long. Because later that day, the person came to me and said, hey, I was thinking about our conversation yesterday, and I, I feel like God convicted me. And, and, and they just started listing off basically all the things I was thinking. And that they said, I, I see it from your perspective now. And they apologized. And it was this really redeeming, uh, reconciling conversation. And if I would have come at them, we need to talk, guns a-blazing, right? That would not have gone well. And it would have been, a, a, it would have tore, you know, it would have, it would pull our relationship apart instead of brought it back together. But God used that verse that particular day in a very small way to lead me, to lead me. But that can only happen if we're regularly going to the scriptures. If we're regularly doing that. Recent studies show that approximately only 14% of Americans read the Bible daily, and only 20% of Christian Americans read the Bible daily. That's a pretty low, that's a pretty low percentage of, in my mind. Uh, there's an old saying that the more a person's Bible is falling apart, the more likely they aren't. Think about that. You know, the more your pages are torn or crinkled or beaten up a little bit, the more you're reading it over and over and over again, the more God is capable, is, is you're giving space for God to lead you and to guide you and to, to encourage you and to be with you. And Jesus, I think Jesus knew that. Jesus knew how vital the scriptures were. In Luke 4, there's a famous story where Jesus is, he goes into the desert for 40 days. You might be familiar with it. Uh, and he, he's tempted there by the devil three times. Three times the devil tempts him. And each of those three times, he knew what to do. He knew what God, 
Father in heaven wanted him to do uh, in each of those three temptations by quoting scripture. By quoting scripture. He quotes verses from the Bible. He hasn't eaten in, in 40 days. He's starving. And the very first temptation the devil says is, says, if you really are the son of God, if you really are, then turn this stone into bread. And if that was me, I would have just eaten the stone. I wouldn't have cared if it was bread or not. Like, just give me that stone. This is like, is this rock candy? Uh, no, it's just stones, right? Um, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't fall for that. Instead, he refers to uh, Deuteronomy 8.3. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word, on the very word of God. He knew how vital it was uh, that he needed to be dependent on God's word to feed him and to lead him. The devil tries again. He takes him up to a really high place where he can see all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, you can have all this. You can have it all right now if you just bow down and worship me. You can have the whole thing. He offers Jesus a shortcut. Now, Jesus came to save the world, but not in that way. He's going to have to do it a much tougher way, down a much harder road. The devil offers him a shortcut. If you just worship me, you can have it all. And Jesus knows that's not what the Father wants. Why? Because he quotes Deuteronomy 6.13, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He uses scripture, this time to avoid the temptation to take a shortcut, to try and make something happen in a way and in the timing different from the plan of the Father. And finally, the devil tries a third and last time. This time he tries to beat Jesus at his own game. He tries to beat him at his own game by quoting scripture himself, but twisting it and misusing it. He takes Jesus up to the highest point in the temple in Jerusalem, and he says, I double dog dare you. Well, that's what he says in my mind. He doesn't actually say that, but I double dog dare you to throw yourself off of this temple, and the angels will come and rescue you so that your foot doesn't hit the stone. He's quoting a Psalm 91. A verse in, the devil's quoting a Psalm 91. And there's he's using, he's testing Jesus. And Jesus, though, knows it's a trick because he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 16. He must have been like doing a Deuteronomy devotional or something that 40 days. He, just, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put him to the test. Ironically enough, the verse that the devil quotes in Psalm 91 was a Psalm Moses wrote, and it was used regularly by the Jewish people uh, to go against demonic forces. That's not odd enough, but the devil twists it. He twists it. And how do, so how do we know? How do we know? Jesus knows that we need to use Scripture to know when someone has misused Scripture. We have to be familiar with the Bible so we know when someone's using it out of context, right? And, and so we see that in this particular story that the commanding Scripture was Jesus' foundation that he held on to in the desert for 40 days to guide and to lead him. Now, one of the constant struggles that I see in my own life and in the life of many Christians is how easy it is to forget this basic truth that we need to regularly be spending time in the word of God. We need to do it regularly. We have this opportunity to approach the Bible and receive this full healthy meal each day. But so often, Myself included, I see it as this like optional snack I can grab as I'm running out the door, right? 
And it's no wonder that I can so easily feel spiritually malnourished. Now again, don't hear, don't hear you know, condemnation or guilt, because I struggle with this too, but instead hear invitation, that, that we really have this opportunity to prioritize space in our day, whether it's morning or your lunch break or you know, listening to the Bible on audio on your way home from work or right before bed or whatever it looks like, sometime regularly in the day to feed on the word of God. As I, as I wrap this up, I wanna give you one practical tool. I guess that's the, the teacher in me. Uh, I wanna help give one practical tool that might uh, just add to your toolbox of reading the Bible. Um, for some of you, this might seem pretty basic, but I find it super helpful. It's the acronym SOAP. Uh, and I know that's kind of silly, but it's easy to remember. Uh, I didn't come up with this. My wife came across something similar to this acronym by a Christian author, and I've kind of adapted it. But uh, in John 15, 3, Jesus says that we are cleansed by the word, uh, the teachings of him, that the, the cleansing is how we remain in him and then are led by him, hence soap. And so S stands for scripture. And uh, if you're struggling with reading the Bible or just need something new, you might wanna try this. Just read one chapter. Read one chapter. And as you're reading that chapter, be thinking about one or two verses in that chapter that seems to stand out to you. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer. Just let God lead you in it. And write those verses down, that one or two verses down. Write it down. It's helpful to write it down. There's something about writing it out that helps it stick a little bit more. Uh, so, so that's the first step. O is observe. Then write down one or two observations about that verse that you wrote. You know, why did it stand out? What do you, what do you learn about God from this verse? Uh, is there a command in here or a lesson to be learned or uh, a promise to be remembered in that verse? And the A is apply. Make it personal. Like, how does, how does this truth apply to your life? You know, what decision or choice or action do you need to take in response to what you just read? And the last one, P, is pray. Pray. Talk to God about it. Give, confess any sin that maybe he's shown you. Uh, ask God to lead you in embracing that truth, or ask if there's someone who might need to hear this truth today that God might want you to witness or share it with somebody. So, so here's, if you wanna leave that up for a little bit, uh, I would, if you don't have a regular strategy for reading the Bible, or maybe you're just kind of, it's been dry lately, I would encourage you to take a picture of that or jot it down real quick, um, and try it for a few days. In fact, actually this week, on starting on Monday, on our VCDC Facebook page, we're actually gonna do like a five-day challenge. We're gonna go through the first five, uh, we're gonna go through, starting in John chapter one, and we'll do chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. We're obviously not gonna get that far in it, but just to, we're gonna do it, anybody wants to do it, uh, you can do it with us together. Uh, and, and, just, and then in the comments, you can share what God is showing you and what he's revealed to you. And, and, just, and it'd be an encouragement to us. And some, for some of us, we just need a little bit of help getting traction, or maybe just, Another, learn another new tool uh, in our Bible reading uh, toolbox. And so I would encourage you to, to, if you're not like in a set thing right now, to join us in doing that next week. So I'm really excited about it and praying that it will really help, help God uh, lead us. And so if the worship team wants to start to make their way back on up here, uh, we're gonna go back into a time of worship. But before we do that, we're gonna take communion together. So if you didn't get a chance to grab the communion elements when you walked in, there's more communion back there on the back.
tables. There's also communion on the front up here. So if you're closer to the front, go ahead and go ahead and grab that right now. Um, and why don't the rest of us stand up? You know, in talking about this idea of commanding scriptures, communion is a beautiful reminder of that. It's a beautiful reminder of that because in Jesus, the word became flesh. In Jesus, the word became, actually it's John chapter one, which we're gonna read on Monday, right? That, that it opens up with that imagery that Jesus in the scriptures, uh, that Jesus is the scriptures come to life that he came to fulfill them completely through his death and resurrection. And so when he was about to die, he was, sit, he was laying around a table with his closest followers, and he held up a piece of bread, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's drink the cup together. And Jesus, we just, we thank you for the gift, uh, the gift of, of the cross and the gift of the resurrection. We thank you for dying for us so that we might have life. We thank you for the scriptures and, and the Bible, the story, your story, God, and how you lead us and guide us as we read it and dive into it. Lord, like it says in Hebrews, I pray, Lord, that you, the word would come alive. To those of us who the word is dry, stale, I pray you would come afresh, come alive. And as we worship you, I pray that we could worship you with our whole hearts, with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we worship, uh, if you feel like God gives you a word or a picture or a thought, feel free to come on over. I'll be over here. Vicky's over here. Uh, like we talked about last week, we want to make space for God at the end to share those things. Uh, so please feel free to do that. But let's Let's worship God together. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.